Yo, so uh, here's an episode I've had in the can for a while, but it's kind of uh, an evergreen topic or whatever. Some of y'all might remember long-time listeners way back in the day when I first started this podcast, I did an episode just called anxiety and part of it was about how uh, how much I dislike going to the, the barber how I just put it off and it just feels uncomfortable and I just feel this weird anxiety for no particular reason that I could nail down and I've been meaning to do the sequel this is anxiety 2 because uh, I'm sure I said this back in the day also but it's just this weird thing that uh I don't know, everyone's got their strengths and weaknesses, I guess, right? And anxiety in particular is such a strange topic because it's like the the sliding scale. (laughs) I saw a YouTube comment the other day that kind of cracked me up where somebody was like, as a person with anxiety, yada, yada, yada. And the jerky reply somebody left was, you don't need to say as a person with anxiety. You can just say as a human being on earth. Which is not, not a very kind answer, but I kind of see what they mean. It's like, what does anxiety mean? Who doesn't feel uncomfortable about different weird social things? Like, I guess it just is just how much? Because I think you could easily say, in my case, you could easily make the case that I do not have particular anxieties because I can you know, stand in front of people and do speeches and shit like that. I mean, I don't love it, but I can do it. Where some people just like pretty much can't. Or barely can. Where it's like when I get in a situation, I'm fine, you know? Once I'm there, it's fine. For me, it's more the lead up to things. Like when something is on the horizon, it's something I've got to do. And it's just like, ah, I just don't want to. It's so uncomfortable. and. And uh, like, I guess that's the thing too, is things don't need to be very stressful to kind of gum up your life. They can just be a little bit of a problem, just enough of a problem that if you don't have to do it, if you can put it off, maybe you feel just enough pressure that you do put it off. And then you put it off and you put it off and you put it off and eventually it's a problem. So what I've been running into lately is You know, I'm hoping to get back to being a traveling man. As I record this, it's fall turning into winter. I'm hoping that by spring and summer, you know, I can get traveling again. I don't have uh, distinct plans, but I'm guessing probably go to Montreal, you know, stay within Canada at first, ease into it. Ultimately, of course, I'd like to go back to Japan, but as of this recording, Japan has only just reopened And it seems like it's still a real to-do. I would really rather have thousands of other people funnel through the system first before me, kind of smooth it out. You know, I'm hoping that uh, I can just sort of, by the time I get around to, to getting across the world again, hopefully all the due process and stuff will just be, it'll just be back to normal. It'll just be a normal thing that tourists are funneling through all the time and it won't be, uh, won't be weird. But I've been stuck in my hometown in COVID world for so long that uh, I realized there's actually a lot of stuff I need to do before I can get traveling again. The first thing I realized was that my passport is expired. 
because I lost my passport in Japan, as you may recall, if you listen to those episodes. And I had to get an emergency passport made in Japan, which is kind of cool that on my passport it says issuing authority, Tokyo. And it's like, yeah, that's just kind of cool. That looks cool. <laughs> that guy was in Tokyo and then he was a fucking moron and lost his passport. Cool. But it turns out, I didn't even really pay attention to this at the time, but it was a two-year passport. So it expired last year. And for whatever reason in Canada, they have five-year passports and they have 10-year passports now, but you can only auto-renew the five and 10-year passports, not a two-year passport. So I've got to start all over again at ground zero to get my dumb passport. So I was like, oh, all right, let me look into this. And then in order to do that, I need to have a current ID, but my last ID card was from British Columbia and it expired in 2020. So then down that rabbit hole, like, okay, what do I got to do to get an ID? Got to dig up birth certificates, got to have proof of residency, got to go to an office building to go through all this fucking shit, jump through all these hoops, wait for that to show up, then go to the other office do all the paperwork, get guarantors, people will call to verify that I'm me, all this insane shit you gotta do to get a passport. Then there's all my bank stuff, because I had a lot of bank problems also while I was traveling, and I realized that just having one bank account, it's amazing things didn't go worse. They went bad, but they could have gone way worse. I need to have a second bank account, just so if something happens to my debit card or something, I have a backup and I don't have a proper credit card. I had like a prepaid credit card that got the program shut down. Gotta figure out how to get a credit card of some type. I still haven't figured out all the doctor stuff around here too. I mean, I haven't been trying, but I figured out how to regulate my pains that I have, but essentially the regulating is never sit down. <laughs> as long as I just don't sit down for long periods. The pain doesn't build up, but obviously I need to go see a doctor about that type of shit before I start traveling around. All of this stuff, it's uh, significantly more stressful than going to the barber, <laughs> you know? It's so many things, so much bureaucracy, so much paperwork, so much fucking hoops I gotta jump through, all this fucking garbage. To say that it, uh, you know, <laughs> if I'm willing to put off getting my hair cut because I find it a little uncomfortable. I'm willing to put this shit off forever. I never want to do any of this stuff. It's way too much. It's so uncomfortable. It's all bureaucratic stuff, which is extra uncomfortable to deal with because it's all just like robotic. It, it always shocks me, especially with like identification type stuff, IDs and passports. The fact that I am sitting right there in front of them. Here I am, here's my face. Here's, see my old passport? See my face? See my old ID? See my face? Like, I don't know what kind of face-off kind of fucking crazy shit could possibly be going on. What? Like, how could I possibly be trying to pull the wool over your eyes here? How could I not be me? What could possibly be going on here? <laughs> you know, you can't just give me a new one, but they can't. They gotta go through all the stuff and all the systems and all the... Gotta telephone people that have known you for blah, 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 blah. It's like, Jesus, I fucking hate it. I hate all of it. But basically, 
my method for dealing with stuff that I find unpleasant and stressful and which makes me anxious and unhappy is basically the same as what I do for writing. It's just do a little bit every day and take it very slow. Take it as slow as it needs to go. Just, just every day do one little thing. So for instance, step one, getting my ID. I was like, okay, look it up first. <laughs> and looking it up took a while because I actually looked up the passport first. And then when I realized that I could not renew my passport, then it's like, okay, next day, look up how to get a new passport. And then when I realized I would need a local ID, okay, next day, look up the ID. Then for the ID, it's like, okay, gather the documents that I need to prove that I'm a person, <laughs> that I'm me. Then the next day, look up where I'm even supposed to go to do this. And then I guess like the final thing was, I was on my way walking across town. I just walked past the office where you do this ID stuff. Just to, I just walked by, looked through the window as I walked by and I just saw like, okay, there's where you get your little ticket. There's where you wait. Those are the counters. Even just seeing it, just visually like, okay, when I go there, that's where I go. <laughs> that's where it's all going to be. It just makes it less. It's not this weird unknown. It's like, okay, I see the lay of the land. And then today I finally did it. Today I finally went and did the thing. And again, it's no big deal. Once I'm there, you just go stand in the stupid line, talk to some people, crack a joke or two just to smooth the process. Because <laughs> I mean, these people, I mean, obviously they hate their lives. They hate their jobs. They don't want to do this. They don't want to stand behind a counter and have to process people all the time. They have it way worse than me. They're not my enemy, <laughs> you know? The system is the enemy of us both. But if push comes to shove, they're just not allowed to, to use human judgment. They just can't. Everything has to be through the system. They may as well be robots. It's unpleasant and uncomfortable dealing with them, but I can at least be personable. And yeah, on the surface, I'm sure it seemed like nothing. Just, I'm just yet another guy, walked in, did the process. Hey, thanks very much, see you later. But the behind the scenes reality was it took me like a week and a half just to do that. Because every day was a little step, a little step, a little step. But again, it's like the difference between actually doing it and not doing it. If I just try to push, if I just am like, I'm going to sit down for a whole day and figure out all the details. And then the very next morning, go to the office and get this stuff done. I'm never gonna. Like, that's too much weight. That's too much pushing. That's too much pressure. I just won't do it. I'll just put it off forever. So instead, this alternate method where I do a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, like I said, like some of those days were so little. Literally just look up the address of where the office is and I did my thing for the day. That's fine. So it takes a week and a half. But I did it. <laughs> you know? It's the difference between I actually did it as opposed to I stopped, which again, very similar to writing. Instead of trying to push, 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 and then giving up, I learned that for me, I just do a little bit, little bit, little bit, and I don't stop and I don't give up. And then it all actually comes together faster than you might think. Still though, I really wonder, it feels like there's still so many steps to go. It feels like there's so much left ahead of me 
that it seems like next spring or next summer is far away, but maybe it's not, you know? <laughs> maybe it'll actually be more like the fall before I get my shit together. But hey, if it is, it is, whatever, who cares? The point is, if you struggle with these day-to-day -day things as I do, this is the uh, best technique I've found is just every day do one little thing just make sure that each day you do one little thing. And this podcast, I actually recorded this before COVID. It's about this same topic. I'm essentially going to reiterate what I just said. <laughs> but it's because uh, it's I was going to the doctor in those pre-COVID days when you actually could go to the doctor. Where now it's just you're caught behind a phone system that's just impenetrable that I just can't get through. So at least back in these days... I had to get up at the crack of dawn and go huddle in the cold outside the doctor's office. But at least I could actually get in. That was nice. But I recorded a podcast just before COVID hit about that, about these discoveries that I was learning. Like, ah, oh, if I just take this a little step at a time, much as I do with writing, I can go do uncomfortable things like go to the doctor. I can actually make these things happen. So yeah, right after I recorded this audio, the whole world shut down and it just, uh, because this was not particularly related to writing and suddenly the entire world uh, became, you know, bathed in a global pandemic, I never did put out this audio. I just have been uh, sitting on it in the archives. So I figured I'd put it out now because also by the end, Listening back to this podcast, I do kind of tie it into writing more and stuff. Again, it's probably just I'm just going to expand on what I just said. So <laughs> if you're in a big hurry, don't worry about it. That's the info. I've, you already got it. But if you're curious, if you're interested, I thought I would finally put out this episode. So it starts with me huddled in the parking lot of the doctor's office so early in the morning that it's still pitch black out, freezing half to death. Then I get interrupted and I continue the podcast after I leave the doctor's office. But yeah, I don't know, I think it's an alright episode. I kind of like it. It's nice to finally put it out into the world. So uh, I hope that's interesting or useful. And like I said, it does all tie into writing by the end. In the meantime, wish me luck on my various small pedestrian boring and annoying things that I need to do before I can start traveling again that are pretty much no big deal, but to me are just like, oh God, oh, <laughs> the worst. <laughs> but all right, let's time warp back to the halcyon days of uh, pre-pandemic for Anxiety Part 2. Yo, yo, yo. Yo. There we go. <clears throat> hey, welcome to How to Write a Novel. So it's been a while since I've recorded on my phone, so the sound quality is going to be a little bad. But it's very quiet, so that should help. But I had a couple things on my mind, didn't bring my recorder, and, uh, and I got to kill time right now because it is... I wish I checked the temperature before I left. 
It's quite cold, but it's not windy. That's the trick with Canada. As long as it's not windy, you can survive. It's 6 a.m. The sky is black. I can see the moon. And I'm just in an empty parking lot waiting. So, so this basically is going to be about, I guess, about anxiety in general, but about proceeding through failure. There's a guy, my friend Brad sent me a link to this guy on YouTube. I don't remember his name, but he's a, a psychologist who helps people with video game addictions. And uh, one of the things he says is like, uh, you know, a lot of times people play games because they want to feel accomplished. And, you know, they uh, want to hide away from the world because the world is scary. And a big part of that is just uh, inexperience, you know, just stuff you haven't done before seems tough to do. So basically, the gist of it is that you succeed through failing. You know, failing is how you learn how to, to deal with the world. You learn what the situation is really going to be like. It helps get rid of your anxieties because you're not anxious anymore because you know it's going to happen. And yeah, I definitely have things I get anxious about. It's weird because like, I don't love like doing speeches or getting on stage and doing dumb little jokes and stuff. I can do all that stuff though. And, uh, I'm glad that they kind of made me in school, you know, where you do speeches, little speech contests and stuff. And I would usually be that kid who would volunteer to go first, the kid everyone hates, you know, like the teacher's like, anyone want to go first? And I would go first just to get it over with. And because if you go first, man, grading on a curve, you're going to be okay. <laughs> you know, the teacher's going to be like, yeah, right on, this kid went first. But it was more just to get it over with. But I got kind of good at it, and I won some speech contests in junior high, I guess. And then when I grew up, it was just useful, you know? Like, that's how I met the Keith and the Girl people in New York, is they had a stand-up comedy competition, and I just entered, and I won a couple of years in a row. Which, uh, in hindsight, is just really a sign, I guess, of how small that community was, <laughs> more than anything. But, like, it's nice to have that in my pocket, in my wheelhouse. I'm glad that I... It's because I had those experiences, you know, because people talk about public speaking as, as one of the number one fears. And I'm sure it would have been for me, too. It's just that I was exposed to it, you know, so uh, it didn't feel as bad. As a quick side note, too, I do think that kind of makes sense. It's not a baseless fear. Like, I'm scared of heights, but I don't consider that weird. I really do consider it weirder when people aren't scared of heights. It's like, there's a very obvious reason to be scared of heights. If you're not scared of heights, there's I feel like there's something weird happening in your brain. Oh man, people showed up. Oh well, maybe I'll get back to this later. Hey, it's the next day. So, yeah, let's see. What the fuck was I talking about yesterday morning? Basically, I remember when I first started this podcast, I had an episode really early in about random anxiety. And in that case, it was uh, 
the barber, which like who the fuck knows why. I never went to the barber when I was a kid. I always just got my hair cut by whoever was around. I never went to a barber till I was in my 20s because I was in Vancouver by myself. I didn't know anybody and I had to go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just uh, I guess I'm just not used to it. I'm not comfortable with it and I'm still not. Like for, for whatever reason, it just kind of stresses me out to go to the barber. And I realized like you don't have to be very stressed out to change your behavior, you know? You don't have to be all that anxious to just avoid something, to just not do it. The same way you don't necessarily have to be all that addicted to something to kind of let that affect your life and change your behavior. And yeah, it can be really strange and kind of random shit like I was just rambling about in that little opening part. You know, I've done speeches and all kinds of shit and like a lot of that stuff doesn't really bother me that much. But you just never know. You never know what's going to get you. Like uh, traveling, that whole thing where I went to Amsterdam and I'd never been overseas before, but I'd traveled a lot within North America and traveled by myself and I thought I could do it. I thought it'd be all right. But then my friends left and I was there all by myself and I was underprepared. That definitely added to it. Like Airbnb culture is just not the same as it is in North America. I uh, was kind of flying by the seat of my pants and that was a bad idea. I should have had everything planned out. But I got so anxious about it that I was like, fuck this and I just flew home. So anxious that it kind of inspired this whole book that I've been talking about, this alien on a different alien's space station and just that feeling of alienation. All came from that. But then when I went back just recently, it was no big deal. This time I managed it. So I just wanted to talk about that a bit because, uh, and I can I think I can tie it into writing. I think I can figure out a way to do that. But yeah, just the, again, the things, it's strange, like it's hard to unravel. It's hard to predict or kind of understand why certain things stress me out and certain things don't. And one of them is just the doctor. I just don't like it. I feel so uncomfortable going to doctors. So I always put it off, which is obviously not a good thing to do. You hear about those people that, oh, they had some pain and they just put it off and put it off. And then it turns out they had colon cancer and they didn't go to the doctor. You know, I don't want to be that guy. But I've kind of been that guy. Like I put off going to the doctor about my appendix until it was ready to blow up. Because, yeah, it's just... Uh, it's just uncomfortable enough to not do it, you know, and that's all it takes. If every day it's just a little more comfortable not to do it, <laughs> you know, and it's just, you don't have to, and you just don't do it, and you can just put it off and put it off. So in my case, it's my weird posture. One of my shoulders is lower than the other. It hurts when I walk. It's just so bizarre. Like, walking makes my shoulder hurt, but it's because my hips are crooked, my spine is a little scoliosis and I just want to get something sorted out before I do any more traveling. But yeah, again, it's just uh, easy to put off. Is uh, the pain in my shoulder really worse than the anxiety of going to the doctor? You know, apparently it wasn't up until this point. And it's an extra problem because I'm back in my shitty province of New Brunswick. There's a huge uh, lack of doctors in this province, which makes sense. Like, why would you fucking want to move here? I ended up getting kind of pissed at my friend Ray, who grew up here with me. Because he keeps texting me like, how are things? How's, how's Fredericton? What you up to? And I finally had to be like, you gotta stop asking me that. It just pisses me off when you ask me that. Nothing is up. Nothing is gonna be up. There's nothing here. 
there's nothing. This place sucks. <laughs> it's like you're texting me, hey, how's drowning going? Having fun drowning? Like, stop it. <laughs> and, you know, he's got this kind of, like, oh, man, it's our hometown. You know, this fucking weird, idyllic memory of it. That's not how it is. It fucking sucks. We're poor, the weather's terrible, and we have no doctors. And in Vancouver or Ontario, you go to a walk-in clinic and it's like, I mean, once in a while they're busy, but a lot of times it's just like, oh, sorry, you might have to wait 20 minutes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no problem, I can wait 20 minutes. Where here, there's very few of them, possibly only two, but maybe there's three. It's hard to get information about them too. But they fill up so fast. So the one on my side of the river, on the north side, they start taking names at 7.30 in the morning. But I rolled by there at 7.30 in the morning and it was already lined up to the door. Like, this is all the people we can take for the day. And I'm like, oh shit, okay, never mind that. So then I tried the south side one and it's even worse because it's an evening clinic. So it doesn't open until 5.30, but they take the names for people at three o'clock. So I showed up at like two o'clock and already, again, it was too many people. We're already there. So you've got to get there like two hours before the two hours before <laughs> and then wait until it's your time to get called. You're literally there for like a full work day of just sitting there in the waiting room. A real bad situation around here. But yeah, I guess what I learned, basically what I'm reporting on, it's similar to, like I said, with Amsterdam, you know, freaked me out the first time, but then the second time I managed it and I went to Japan and did way more traveling and it was all pretty good. Like I was saying in that Japan episode, even when things got all fucked and my bank card was getting shut down and I lost my passport and my credit card program ended, it was ridiculous, all this shit all at once. I was nervous, but it wasn't the same. It was like a manageable, normal level of nervousness. It wasn't like crazy anxiety like the first time I went to Amsterdam. This was kind of similar of like just the, the free form notion of like, oh man, going to the doctor I just don't like in general, trying to figure out how this system works in New Brunswick when I haven't been to the doctor here in 25 years and it's way more fucked up than I ever thought it would be. But just the exposure of it really helped. Like even just going to that Northside clinic and being completely denied, you know, just like, nope, okay, here's how this works. You gotta get here way earlier than this. And going to that Southside clinic, the same thing, just getting the lay of the land. Like, okay, if I did want to do this, here's what I got to do. Here's how it works. And just knowing like, okay, here's what the place looks like. Here's what the system is, you know, here's, here's if I like envision what I'm going to do tomorrow. If I was going to go back to that clinic, it's so much different to just know, to just know like, okay, here's how it is. Here's how it works. Instead of it just being this free form, free floating, anxiety-inducing thing that I just haven't done before. Like, if anything, that's probably the base explanation is just, just anything you haven't done before, anything you're not comfortable with. I'm sure it's just drilled into our DNA of like, hey man, stick to what works. Stick to the survival pattern that makes you live. Don't go do crazy shit. Maybe it'll pay off, but maybe you'll die, so don't do that. And we're not in that world anymore. I'm not gonna die, <laughs> you know, but, but we're still just wired for these things. But I felt that, like sitting at that Southside clinic and just watching, just overhearing people and learning how it worked and like, oh, this person got here at this time and this is how early I'd have to get here in time, how it's gonna work, blah, blah, blah. Like that's, 
that paid off. That made me feel better ultimately. But in the moment while I was there, yeah, I was just sitting there and I was just, just anxious, just a horrible heart beating, like not a normal level of uncomfortableness, just like more than that, really, really anxious. Like, I, I don't think it's like an anxiety attack, not that strong, because people describe that like it's a heart attack. Jay Moore, I remember, talked about how he had those when he was on SNL. And it sounded terrible. Like, it wasn't that bad, so it's all on a spectrum. But it was way clearly just not, not a manageable level of nervousness. I'm like, and I'm just sitting there feeling it. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? Why? This, there's no reason for this situation to make me this uh, uncomfortable and to have my heart beating this much, but it just is, it just does. Like, there's also no point in denying it. That's not gonna get anybody anywhere. But yeah, basically just uh, that taking those baby steps, those little exposure steps, like got me over the hump. Like, I think the dramatic way people put it is you only progress by failing, you know? You improve by failing, <laughs> you know? You try something and you fail and the more you fail, the more confident you become ultimately. But I think labeling it failure is maybe a little, it's a little heavy, <laughs> it feels a little dramatic to me. I think it really is more just exposure. I exposed myself to overseas travel and then the next time it wasn't so bad. With these doctor's offices, I went and exposed myself to the two doctor's offices and didn't, didn't work, you know, the system repelled me but then I had that in my back pocket. I had that exposure. And basically I realized like, all right, so the south side one is ridiculous. Like I'd have to show up there at like 1.30 in the afternoon and sit around until 5.30 just for them to start taking bookings. And then who knows how long, like just absurd, way too much. So the north side one, absurd in a different way, but it seemed a lot more doable. It's like, it takes me like an hour to walk there if they're already lined up out the door at 7.30, I gotta get there at like 6.30, if not six. So I set my alarm for 4.30 in the morning and it's just like, oh my God, fuck this. Oh, well then there was a little break just by happenstance. So I had my little exposures and then uh, the heater broke in my parents' big old house. And it took them like five days to get a replacement part. And for those five days, it was just survival. Man, it was so fucking cold, unbelievably cold. And we just had these little space heaters and you just had to like close yourself up in a room. And I had to run like two space heaters just to like not turn into an ice cube. It was really kind of frightening. It's so cold. So that definitely was like, okay, no time to think about the stupid fucking clinic right now. Let's just try not to die. But then as soon as they fixed the heater, I set my alarm for 4.30 in the morning because I figure if I do that, I could get my shit together by five and walk there and I'll get there by like six. And like now that I know how the situation works up there, I guess I'm just like, like um, min-maxing the system, you know? Like, what do I have to do to completely overwhelm this situation on my side, you know? <laughs> like. What can I do to make sure this works out? I'll just get there so fucking early that there's no way I can't make it through this gauntlet, you know? And it was kind of excessive, but I felt like that's what I had to do just to counterbalance my nervousness. 
is like I had to power myself up. Like I give myself a little video game power up of being the guy who's gonna get there just ridiculously early. Cause I don't care, fuck it. I can stand around for an hour and a half outside. I'll just watch wrestling on my phone. It'll be fine. So as soon as the heater got fixed, I set my alarm to 4.30 in the morning and I was like, dude, I don't know. That's insanely early to get up. <laughs> like that's not realistic. This is probably not gonna work. But something in me, instead of just like turning off the alarm and being like, whatever, we'll worry about this some other day. Something had just like shifted where it's like, the anxiety of going and doing this, and now it, it had lessened so that that seemed less bad than the anxiety of not doing it, you know? If I don't do it, then I gotta go through the whole day with it in the back of my mind and like, that I haven't done this yet and that I still have to go see a doctor and that I, that I gotta get my shit together and like, that would be worse. I would just rather go do it and get it done with. So I set the alarm for 4.30 and then when it went off, I mean, that was insane. Like I just was like, oh God damn it. This is way not enough sleep. This is insane. But I still just got up and I did it. And I didn't really take into account that, I mean, it's a cold as fuck here, but before the sun comes up, it's noticeably colder. <laughs> like I was underdressed. I had long underwear. I had two pairs of socks. I've got this big winter coat that has never not been enough but I sh I'd wished I had put like a thermal shirt under it. It wasn't enough. And then you heard at the opening of the episode, I started recording a little bit when I got there, but then even, even that, even getting there at 6 a.m., somebody else rolled up. I mean, they had cars, cheaters, but at like 10 after six, it didn't take long. So I was first in line, but even that, you know, I just barely was first in line. And it was so cold, like by the time they finally let people in at like, I don't know, a quarter after seven, 20 after, it was really getting cold. Like my toes were like in pain and it's just like, I don't know what to tell you toes. I know the extremities are the first to go. I got nothing to, t I just, I got nowhere for you to go. Just gonna have to tough it out. I had my arms pulled into my coat and into my shirt, but I could feel again, like the cold. It was like I had just ice cubes on my shoulders. Big, <laughs> just the, the cold was like beginning at the, top and spreading downward. I guess because I was standing, you know, I wasn't walking anymore. But I did it. I like powered through that situation. And, and I do think that's all it really was, was just the baby steps, the little bit, just expose yourself to the thing that you're uncomfortable with and just, just keep pushing little by little. Very similar to the, the tack I take with writing, just keep pushing a little by little. And once I actually got in to see a guy, it took literally three minutes. He just looked at my spine a little bit. He wrote a little thing of like, go get, uh, all right, let's go get, go get some x-rays of your spine and your shoulder and we'll try to see what's going on. Get the fuck out of here. So I maybe didn't need to get there that early, but, but it's remarkable how fast that lineup got insane. Like the difference between getting there at six and 6.30 is huge. Which again, wouldn't have killed me. I guess I just had to sit around in the waiting room all morning. So I don't know, maybe, cause I'll have to go back and I might do, I might do that craziness again. Just try to have even more layers and be even more prepared, but it is nice to get in there first. I guess it's like I was saying about speeches, you know, <laughs> just get in there first. Like just, it really is like speeches. Cause yeah, that was the thing with speeches is I was nervous to do my speech, but I would be more nervous to be sitting there all day. And especially if the speeches roll over two or three days, just waiting for the ax to fall of like, when am I gonna get called to do my speech? You just do it and you get it over with. It was very similar to that. 
And yeah, like once I did it, it just didn't seem that bad. And I guess that's the thing is like anxiety can't really be explained, you know? It's like, why was I so nervous? But I totally was like earlier when I was at the Southside place, just sitting there, just sitting there on a recon mission, even when it's like, okay, this isn't gonna work, but I'm just gonna hang out and watch the process and just make sure I understand everything works. Just nervous as fuck. And it's like, what am I supposed to do about this, you know? Or like when I was in Amsterdam, that one's a little less abstract. I mean, I'm in Amsterdam all by myself, but I remember just sitting at a Starbucks and I like sent an email to my friend Matt and I was like, you know, I'm looking at Airbnbs to stay here or if I really wanted to get crazy with it, to fly to somewhere else, London or Paris or something, but I'm looking at these flights back and like I could just fly back. And he's like, nah, dude, come on, you're already there. Just push through. But I was just sitting at that Starbucks and my heart is just hammering. And it was doing that every day. I just woke up feeling like that. And I'm like, no, no, I can't. I gotta go home. Why? Who knows? The Jay Moore story, I remember he was like, he wasn't like a main dude on uh, SNL. He was just like one of the featured players or whatever. And he had to have his anxiety medication in his pocket the whole time. And he says, if you go back and watch old sketches he was in, you can see him putting his hand in his pocket because he's just got to feel that pill just to know that it's there just to get through the situation and there were times when wardrobe would give him pants with no pockets for some reason because they're just like weird wardrobe clothes or not real clothes so he had to just cup the uh the pill in his hand and he's just holding this pill just so and again he's like you know, he's a stand-up, he did all kinds of shit before. There's, re I mean, he's on national TV. It's not like there's no reason to be nervous, but to be so nervous, you think you're gonna die, <laughs> you know? Like it just, I don't know, it's beyond the scope of this podcast or my own experiences and research to be able to explain that. But I can explain how I got over it. Cause then, uh, so this guy gave me the little doctor scrawl to take to the, the main hospital to uh, get an x-ray. And I was like, all right, there's no hurry with this. There's no timeline. He said, just stop by whenever. Radiology department opens at 11. Just go on up there, sit in the waiting room, get your x-ray. So I was like, all right, no, no hurry. I don't have to do it immediately. I can put this off, but I just didn't, you know, like, again, it's just like, I just don't feel the same now. Like something has changed in me where it's like I would just feel worse now by not doing it. Where before, it's like, yes, let me just put it off. Any excuse to put it off. But the sort of, the balance has shifted where I would feel worse if I don't do it. I don't want it hanging over my head anymore. I just want to go do it. I just want to go get it done. So today is the next day, the very next day. I'm like, fuck it, let's go. Let's go walk right up that hill and get up to that fucking hospital and, uh, you know, the classic thing of like, guys don't like asking directions. I mean, I think that's largely true. I remember I got lost in Amsterdam the first time I was there and I had to ask somebody, hey man, what the fuck's going on? Where, where do I go? And it was like, man, this is the first time I've asked somebody something like that in who knows how long. There is just something wired in most dudes' heads anyway that uh, we would just rather figure it out ourselves. But not this time. This time I got to the hospital. I haven't been there since 1995. I'm like, hey, I don't know where I'm going. Hey, person here at this desk, can you tell me where I'm going? And they're like, okay, go down here, go to this place. So I got to the reception area for radiology and cardiology and all this shit. And I looked around a bit. I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I just asked some guy who was waiting there. I'm like, hey, buddy, where'd you get your little take a number fucking thing? 
where's that thing? He's like, oh, it's over there. Then I took the number and went to the little uh, counter to get more officially set up. And I just basically was like, like I'm in a video game and I'm just talking to the NPCs, talking to everybody. Get me to the next step. What do I do next? And I guess it's just, it's just nice that, uh, and I could definitely, like, it's just distinctly different. Like, then once I finally get everything all sorted out at the end of the line and I'm in my little hospital fucking gown, just sitting, waiting to be called to go get my x-ray. And it was a similar thing where, I, like, when I was in Amsterdam that first time, just examining my own feelings. I'm like, why am I so freaked out? Or even just the other day when I was at the Southside Clinic and just examining, you know, paying attention to my crazy heartbeat. I'm like, why? Why do I feel like this? I did that same thing today and I'm just like, I'm just not nervous. You feel that? I just am not nervous now. It's weird. I'm like a normal level of like, this is slightly uncomfortable. I'm in a hospital in a gown, but it's like exciting too. It's like a new weird thing that I'm doing and I'm finally taking steps to fix this fucking problem with my shoulder. I'm a little uncomfortable. It's a little weird, but I'm not anxious. I'm just not scared like that. Or like I said, that same thing in Japan where it's like, I'm stressed because of all the shit that happened, but I'm just not anxious like that, that same way I used to be. So yeah, if you're in a situation in your life, which who knows, you know, could happen to, for any random reason, who the fuck knows what it's going to be that'll set you off, that's just something that feels hard to do and feels stressful. Just taking the small baby steps toward exposing yourself to the thing that stresses you out totally worked for me. Just going to the one clinic and getting rebuked. And going to the other clinic and getting rebuked. And then going back to the first clinic with a new plan of attack to just like maximize my likelihood of unrebukedness. <laughs> Am I making this as clear as it can be? And yeah, just like the, uh, the weight shifts like a teeter-totter, just like the balance shifts. And how I think that relates to writing is in general, I mean, this thing I've been preaching this whole time on this podcast is kind of a version of that. It's like, just push a little bit every day, push a little bit towards your goal, just every day face down the horrible dragon of writing and just get a little bit of something done every day. Because again, it's like hard to untangle and unravel yourself of like, what makes a person not write? What makes a writer give up? What makes someone not stick to daily goals? It very likely could be like another form of anxiety of like, there's a lot of fear down the road of writing of like, what if it's bad? You know, what if no one cares? What if no one likes it? What if in fact it fucking exposes me as a fool? You know, what if I write a piece of shit? Cause people do. <laughs> and what if I'm that? What if I don't even know that I'm that? What if I'm setting myself up for mockery? What if I'm writing the book version of the room? You know? What if I'm not as clever as I think I am? What if I'm not as good as I think I am? What if I'm not even average? What if I just suck? You know, that's probably all floating around in your head and you could just put it off and just not do it. And the answer is just exposure. Just expose yourself to the idea a little bit more and more until you get more and more comfortable with it. But a place where I think this is definitely going to apply, like I know it's going to happen, this idea of new situations being anxiety inducing, is when I'm done this book because I've never dealt with the real publishing world and any of that at all. 
And I mean, the idea of it definitely, I said it right from the start, like that was one of the reasons I started this podcast is so when I get to that point, I'll have more accountability and, you know, like more of a reason to stick with it. And like, I can't just let the whole project fall apart without doing a podcast explaining that I've done that. And hopefully that alone will be enough to push me forward. But I've kind of been in this situation in a smaller way. When I finished writing this kid's book that I wrote a few years back, that I still like someday it's going to get published. It's going to be cool. And I, I really did like it. I think it's, it's pretty cool. But I never went through the steps of trying to get it published and stuff because I just knew I wasn't ready. You know, it's weird. In that case, I wasn't thinking of rejection and failure because I really just am pretty, I'm just confident about it. I think it's a really cool little book. And I'm not saying it couldn't, it probably would get rejected, you know, whatever. But that wasn't my worry. My worry was what if it gets accepted? And then what if they're like, okay, now what you got? Because this was before I wrote my nonfiction video game book. This was before I established a daily routine. I managed to squeeze out a little kid's book, but again, it was like, man, I started writing that book in like 2005 or 2006, and then I finished it in like 2000 and I don't know what that was, 13? <laughs> Maybe 2012, I don't know. Like I just knew I absolutely was not ready to walk into that world. I'm like, what do I do if they accept this thing? I got nothing else for them after this. The idea of like, what if? Like what if it went the greatest? What if I got an agent and I got a book deal and all this stuff? And then they're like, all right, write some more books. And it's like, oh great, now I can let everyone down. Now I can fail <laughs> on a professional stage. Like I just was like, I just, terrifying. I can't do it, I, I won't do it, and I didn't. Just kept that story in the shoebox under my bed and that's where it is right now, metaphorically speaking. But now I feel much more confident because I finished that nonfiction book and I'm getting toward the end of my novel and I've got a good process and I've got a good daily habit and routine established. I'm pretty confident at this point that I'm just going to keep slowly grinding out books till the day I goddamn die. So now I think I, I would be, I'm willing to dive in basically into the breach. But it's still something I've never done before. It's a whole, you know, it's a whole bunch of things I'm going to have to fail at, a whole bunch of things I'm going to have to expose myself to. Because I guess those really are the same thing. It's just different ways of putting it. Failing and exposing yourself to stuff. It's functionally the same. It's like, you can only learn by doing. And almost certainly the first early attempts at doing something, you will fail. Oh good, I'm out of the park and immediately the horrible buzz of death. But yeah, now that I'm back into Trafficsville and the weird buzzing is happening, again, I guess there's no better reason to stop this podcast. I've rambled out whatever there is to say. If you're having horrible anxiety problems about whatever random shit, try to take little baby steps, move yourself in little ways in the right direction, expose yourself to the situation. And it's all very mysterious, you know, it's just really hard to, again, it's like I'm just trying to examine my inner self and I'm like, I don't know why I'm so anxious right now. And then afterward, it's like, I don't know why I'm not anxious right now. Last week I would have been, now I'm not. The human psyche is fucking weird. Just take it slow, slow and steady. 
Slow and steady. Slow and steady, yeah, that's fine. Based on a book, based on his life, a song I was hired to write. I stole every line and plot device from his journal that I read at night. The characters were all stiff, robotic horns But there was one intriguing role A slick missionary with a penchant for stealing and hypnotizing The girls with boys' names and boys with girls' frames So I set to work with my blueprint And the aim of a dead poet's I filled my prescription and then A cardboard Bible black tyrant was calling my name He told me he needed someone To detail each moment his history The ink started flowing He first killed drugs in 84 He's never been the same as before It's the fault of Inscriptions and sinking. Con- 